Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My mom was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you have to pay her that money. And I said, is there any amount of money that you could think of, mom, that wouldn't make you happy that I that she's out of our lives? And she's like, absolutely not. And I was like, there you go. Welcome to Divorce Party. I'm Monica Casey here with Tom Arnold. Our guest today is a writer and producer. And he's a dear old friend of mine. Please welcome to the show, Keith Corson. Holy shit. Hello, my friend. We did it. We did it. There's Mr. Tom Arnold. Hey, buddy. How are you? Hey, Tom. How are you? Heath Corson. Nice to see you, buddy. Thank you for doing this. Of course. This is the first time that we've seen each other for what? Like 15 years? Like years and years and years ago. How does uh, Heath hold up? How, how's he hold up after? We were just, uh, he looks exactly the same. And so Heath and I, quick backstory, we met in like level two groundlings. Right away, became instant friends. He has such a good, just dry, naughty sense of humor. And I feel like we probably did some sketches together. But yeah, I just, I've oh, always yeah. loved Heath. And Heath, I think, I don't remember, was it during our groundlings or right after that you had got, I feel like maybe you had just gotten divorced and it was such a- I feel a, like I just did, yeah. And it would seem so foreign to any of us because we were so young and and it never occurred to me to be human and go like, how are you? Is that hard <laughs> on you? you know, as a, I think I was like 26 and just like me, 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 you know? I never right. thought to ask, how are you doing? Right. Well, it was it, it, because I was probably early 30s at the time. And yeah, it was such an odd thing to be going through and be with people out in Hollywood. I had just recently moved from Chicago and to be out in Hollywood with people who are pushing and all about their careers and 
they're not super interested in what you're going through, especially in a comedy class. It's the last thing they want to ask is like, what's your trauma? You know? Yeah. Wait, so were you guys like college sweethearts? Like what was your situation? Great question. We met after I graduated from college and I went to Chicago um, and I started interning at the Department of Cultural Affairs, um, where we were producing theatrical events for the city of Chicago. Um, she was a uh, in uh, she had a job and I was an intern. And I was really devoted to making sure this was going to hire me. This place was going to hire me because it was a great job getting to work for the city of Chicago. I mean, you got so many days off. You got Pulaski Day as a paid holiday. Like, it was insane. It was great. So I was like, I have got to get this job. So eventually I got her job and she got fired. And <laughs> so as a... As a consolation prize, I asked her out. Um, but, you know, it started on a bad foot. <laughs> yeah. Like a dream come true. Let me, hey, he, what college did you go to? I went to Northwestern University in um, Evanston. I'm very familiar with that. People that can't get into Northwestern end up going to Iowa, where I went. <laughs> if you can't get into Nice, the, nice. A lot of people over there. Well, that's a good. And then, uh, so you guys started... Uh, uh, she got fired from her job, which does happen in government. You know, they got to move up. They go, okay, this guy's moving up. And then did you reach out to her after that and go, hey, sorry about what you're going through. Want to hook up? Yeah, let's go out. And she was like, okay. And I we, love were both, we were both very young. And I think it was one of those things where I was like, oh my gosh, this person has such flaws and they're so gloriously broken. Like I have, I, I'm I'm in such a good space. I'll be able to fix her and make her better. Like, look at me. I'm such a good dude. I come from a great family. I, I had this great education. I've got this good job. Like I can spread largesse. Like I could be a good guy and I can help her. Yeah, so that's how we started. Who would have known it would have come to a horrible end? How long did it last? And what what do you think was your, you know, the reason it ended? Well, we were together for about, I want to say like eight years. We got married because it was one of those things where it was like, well, I guess this, this is the next step. We live together. We're not getting along. I guess we should get married. Like, I guess that's what we should do now. And literally, I remember in the back of my head, I thought, well, I could always get out of this if it doesn't work. And then later, I was like, that was probably a bad sign. I don't know if that was your guys' experience, but like in the back of my head, I really all like the pattern recognition was so loud that it was going you know this isn't working. You could feel this isn't working to this point. Now you're going to take a bigger step and you know for a fact it's not going to work. And I was like, yeah, but that's not a big deal, right? Like, that'll be okay. All right. Well, you know, your ego, you're in there, you're, you're a humanitarian. You're like, I'm going to rescue this person because I've had things so good in my life. I share that. I have compassion. And uh, I'm going to rescue them. And uh, things right. are not going well. And you think, well, that this is something I thought. Oh, marriage will make it. That's the thing. If if we were married, then she'd feel secure. And then we'd have this thing. Uh, did, did you have kids? Because that's what people usually do next. They're like, okay, everything's terrible. We did not have kids. It's 
because he went to Northwestern. He has that leg up the smarts. <laughs> um, wait, I have a question for you guys as men. So you both have been in relationships where you knew it wasn't going well and you thought, okay, let's just get married. Do you think there was also a part of you, even though you're like, eh, that when you ask someone to marry you, even though you're like not sure about it, that it you think, well, it reinvigorates the relationship. Like they'll want to sleep with me more. Maybe that'll turn things around. That was there a little bit of that? Yeah, I think it's I think it's like what Tom said. It's a brave new aspect of it. So I think it's sort of like we're starting from scratch. We're now entering a new phase. And won't that maybe that'll reinvigorate. Maybe that'll bring a new aspect to it. And now everyone's excited for you and they're happy for you. And this is going to be great. Well, I was going to say my experience is this. I'm faster, like really quick. Let's get married, like really very insecure. Let's get married. And there were times before the wedding. As the wedding is approaching, it takes her out. I was like, oh, boy, this is not. But people are coming. They're coming in town. We got the stuff. And if I'd had courage, and, and I think both of us went away, okay, this is not, this is rushed. This isn't working. You're flailing. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely, there was definitely a couple marriages where I went, okay, this is it. And I knew she probably felt the same way, but you got the people coming. The deposits are paid. Right. I think Did you I also, there was an aspect of me that I think being so young, just going, well, this is as good as it possibly gets. Like everyone's in pain. Everyone has these arguments. Everyone isn't getting along. Like uh, this is just what it is. That This is, you know, adulting. This is right. an adult relationship. Everybody hates each other. Everybody has screaming fights. Like, that's just the way it is. And I, I really had no concept that it didn't have to be that way. And and whether that was low self-esteem or whether that was not knowing any better or whatever it was, but it certainly wasn't my parents' marriage, which they were high school sweethearts and are still together and, and love each other dearly. And I knew it wasn't that. And there was a little bit of, well, I don't need that. I, I could be bigger than that, right? I can survive more. I can handle it. I'll be okay. Even if it's not perfect, I'll be all right. And I think that's where, I, I think that was a little bit of the hubris on my end. And were her parents married? What was her background, her family situation coming into this deal? She was very blue collar. She was estranged from her parents almost completely. She did not talk to her mother at all. Her dad drove a uh, train, uh, an L in Chicago. Um, so she literally only saw him when he randomly would drive the L that she was on and she would wave to him. The only person that she talked to was her older sister in the family who I knew. And I was like, oh, she's lovely. The sister was great. And we we totally got along. Um, but I never really met her family except in passing. So she was completely es estranged from them. Mm. That's a, that's, I see, that's an opportunity for you. You go, I'll be the guy, I'll fill the gap. I'll be the, the dad, the mom. I'll be your family. But right. It, but it is definitely a red flag that we know oh. about sitting here. You know, if they don't have any friends or family <laughs> and you're like, oh, perfect. Cause then uh, I don't have to compete with anybody, but it's really uh, it's not a good move. I can speak right. from my experience. Did you have anybody say right before the wedding, like a a family or a friend be mm -hmm. like, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, totally. And and my my siblings didn't get along with her. They hated her. My She hated my family. She was like, oh, I won't go to Thanksgiving. 
Like you could go by yourself, but I'm not going. And so it was a lot of like, I'm drawing a line and you have to decide. And it's horrible. It's when, when you're like 25, you're like, oh no, like, what am I supposed to do here? So there was a lot of like separate, but equal, like, I'm not telling you not to see them, but I'm not going to go when you see them. And again, at the time, I'm like, I guess this is just what people do. This must be how it works. Yeah, that's not true. And you know, you know what's great about family is uh, and they are perfect. Your family's not perfect. But if they're buy into what you're doing, if they're all in on the marriage, you know, they can be helpful to both people. Right. Because, you know, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. If if uh, our spouse or our mate can, can go and talk to our family, have them go, yeah, yeah give a sympathetic ear. You know, when it's crunch time, they got to pick a side. But I think it's a, a good for just to have a group of people that are rooting for you. They might be your friends or her friends. People that aren't, they're out. That's it. Right, right. But, but this family thing where she would go with your family, you know, is is bad for you. That means. Yes. Because I we've all fake shit with people's family. Like, I, I still do that with my exes. I invited her mom in here for. Uh, Christmas with me and the kids and, and uh, you know, try to be very nice. But there are some people, it's a red flag, I can tell you from what's going on now. They don't, there's something missing. And you can't possibly give that thing and still have yourself, your dignity, your 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 soul. And, uh, and it sounds like you figured that out. Well, late. I mean, that's the relationship I'm in now, right? What what we found is with, with my wife now, who is Italian and I'm Jewish. And we found that it's pretty much the exact same thing. Like it's all about family. It's all about food. It's all about celebration. I'm from a very large family. So is she. Um, so we both know what those stressors are. We both know that, like you say, you put it on for somebody's family because they're important to them and you make sure that everybody's happy. And, um, you know, there's, there's sacrifices you make and they do the same for you. And that's, now I've realized a good relationship where there's give and take and it's not I'm keeping score. It's just, no, of course I do this for you because you wouldn't even think twice about doing it for me. Um, and and that's the relationship that I have now, which is spectacular. And and I wish I would have known back then. Yeah, but, but well, you may not have been able to appreciate it. You had to learn from the other right. one. Right. And how long have you two been together now? I feel like over 15. We've been together. We've been together for 13 years and married for over 10 now. So. Wow. And what, yeah. is she, what does your wife do? You know, when I met her, well, when I met her, she was working at the Department of Cultural Affairs and then she wasn't anymore because <laughs> I, I took her job. No, your new wife. Oh, my new wife. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I took her job too. <laughs> I took her job too. That's how I do it, Tom. That's how I do it. I get in. Uh, no, my wife is a writer like myself. So okay. she has written uh, for television. She has written for magazines. She's been a journalist. Um, so we speak pretty much the same language and it's it's fantastic. The only thing that would be incredibly stressful is if the entire union went on strike. Oh, wait. <laughs> uh, so that was tough, but... But other than that, it's great because we both understand each other and uh, um, totally speak the same language. And you give each other space. You say, this is what your space, you know, you find. I'm going by Jimmy Carter. He was married to his wife for 97 years or something. And uh, he said, one, pick the right woman, which is something I haven't done. But two, you get mutual interests and then separate interests. 
And I think as a writer, uh, she's a writer, so she knows, oh, this is how, when it's go time for him or go time for me, we need that, you know. And we also need the house to be like, there has to be some, not great vibes, but there can't be negative, you know, there's got to be a lot of respect for each other. And, and uh, you know, issues that do come up, you know, there are times when you just can't bring those up when you're, when you're a writer. you got to stay in the, in the groove there. Do you have separate right. offices within the house or does or do you sometimes like to go out and write somewhere else? How do the two of you work? Out? It's a great question. Up until COVID, we both had the same office. We were both be in this room. Um, once COVID hit, I was in a writer's room. So her desk is right there. So she couldn't be looking this way. And I was looking this way. So we moved her to the spare bedroom and uh, her office is over there. So we had to be on uh, opposite sides of the of the house now okay yeah but you're right and i both uh, both of you understand like you have people in your family who don't really understand that when you're in a script and you're reading something or you're learning lines or something they come in and you look like you're not doing anything they go oh you're not working do you you want to come for lunch or <laughs> you want to have a drink and you're like no this is me working this is what it looks like when i'm working so there is a difference like you said dom it, it's a lot to have someone who understands even when you're just staring at the window going i, I don't know what they say next that she goes oh he's working right now um, well you have to have because you're both writers and it's a, it's this way for writers comedians whatever you have to have some respect for their talent because if you're in a relationship and, and uh uh, someone is, and speak for the comedy world, if someone's like, I want to do comedy, oh, great, do that. And then you watch them, you're like, oh, I will uh -oh. Never, I'll never get an erection again. You get, they, you have to have some respect. They don't have to be, but you have to be in the area where you each respect what your talent is, what you do. Uh, because if there's a huge drop off, it's, it, you, know, you just can't work your way out of that. That's right. Do you bounce stuff off of uh, a partner? Typically, do either of you, like when you're working on material or working on stuff, will you bounce stuff off a partner? My first wife was Roseanne. We met, that's how we got to know each other. I started writing stuff for her and we were comedians together. I was very young, I was 23, and bouncing it off. And she and I tell people this, well, men, we know we're good looking, but if you tell us we're funny, then you got us forever. And so I have such respect for her, what she did, her writing, her stand up and and she it appeared that she also had that for me i know she did because she did would use my material that i wrote for her on tv or johnny carson or in the roseanne show that's you know that's ultimate respect when they're like their their shit is on the line and they're gonna go he's the guy right here i got to cool yeah but that's a great feeling um but others others uh the others had no like if they're not in the business maybe harder yeah yeah you know, when I was younger, I was with someone who was significantly more successful than me. And that was a really hard mental thing for me because I was so insecure because I felt so less than. So it was a little intimidating and too hard for me to, you know, run. I would, it was funny. He would ask me to run lines with him for his show and I would do it. And it was like fun and no problem, but like, it was harder for me to ask for help, even though you're like, wow, you have this great resource, someone who's working all the time. Um, and I also felt like when I was younger, he didn't respect me or didn't sort of value my talent until 
I did a few things on my own and then he saw what I brought to the table or finally something shifted and he was like, oh, she knows what she's doing and she's talented. I don't know when that happened. Then it got easier and I felt that level of respect and that shift change. Um, But what's interesting is my friend Bob and I, we always say to people, you know, don't, don't put yourself on, don't use your spouse as a reader. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, it's just, it's hard. It can just be a weird, hard thing. So, um, but I feel I have to say, I don't know that I agree with that. I actually, we have a, or, or the relationship I'm in right now, we have a really good ability to look at each other's stuff and say, I really like this. I think this could get massaged or like, here's a pitch. Do you like this? Do you not like this? Like throw it away. And there's no ego in it. I just want her stuff to be as good as it can be. And I wouldn't dream sending something out if, if she didn't read it and say like, or say like, am I crazy? Does this work? Or is it? And she'll go like, no, that's, that's not it. And I'll be like, all right, you're right. Okay, cool. I think that also comes with when you reach a point with a partner where all of the representatives are, you're sort of, you're comfortable enough to have that level of honesty. And so definitely as I've gotten older and, you know, I can, um, similar to you, I, it, it's more well-received and I can handle someone being honest with me, or I feel safe enough to be honest with someone else going, maybe try it this way or mm, right. believe you do it again. You know, right. Right. The stakes don't feel so make it or break it. It's yes, yeah. like, I'm going to hurt their feelings. Cause also as we're all artists, so we're all, whether or not we think we have an ego, we do, or we're just, it's our art. We're sensitive about it. I do know the feeling. And it was, I, I could remember this from the first time. Well, I got it from when my grandma, when I was into community players, I was a little kid and my grandma was uh, the god of the uh, goddess of the Ottawa, Iowa community theater. <laughs> I was being one of the kids of the King and I, and she came over and told me how good I was. I remember a tingle in my spine and the same feeling. The first time I wrote a script for Roseanne, I sat to sit there sort of out, breathless waiting and uh, why she did it. And, and she gave me positive uh, response. And I thought that's that feeling. I like that situation. Now, if you're with someone, and, uh, you know, Roseanne, she's very much more successful. Very, It was very cool. I loved it. And then at a certain point, uh, I remember the first time I hosted Saturday Night Live by myself. And that yeah. was that was difficult for her. I And when I did True Lies, that was, I could feel a thing. And it, it, we could have worked through that because, you know, it's a change. You're like, this. oh, he's doing stuff on his own or whatever. And healthy couples will work through that. Right. You know, my thinking was, oh, yeah, she always uh, told me I was great. Now I get to do some good stuff that, you know, but the dynamic of the relationship changes a little bit. And uh, I remember it being a little uncomfortable. I just kept saying, you know, I need to be aware of of how she's going to feel about this or that. And, uh, you know. Well, it is hard to the dynamic of the person who is already more successful than you. And then when you start to get your own from therapy or lots of conversations with, you know, my ex, it was that fear of this person's not going to need me anymore. If their Mm. success continues going up, 
what are they going to need me for? And I feel like after doing a lot of therapy, to me, that's a insecurity that like, they're not thinking they're not good enough that you could both be successful and still want to be with that person. Right. I will say that is one of the great things about this, the, the current relationship that I'm in is that, look, nobody stays on top forever. You, it all ebbs and flows right now. We all know that. So like you might have a job and you need all the focus and you need to be, and she'll make sure like, great, I'm going to protect that. And then when it's in the reverse or she's got a lot to do, I'm like, no problem. I step up and I'm going to protect that. And like, there is an ebb and flow to it constantly. And and her success doesn't, I don't need to feel small to make someone else feel big, right? Like we don't need to do that. So you asked, you asked what my ex had done and she had, worked, you. <laughs> yeah, she had, she had worked at a uh, recording studio in Chicago for years and years and years and was eventually sort of the, the manager ran that studio and then went from there to becoming a voiceover uh, agent. And so she was my voiceover agent for a while. And I remember at one point there was some big cartoon or something that I got submitted for out of Chicago. And I was really excited. And like, I, I think I progressed pretty far in it. And, and I was just like, I, I, I got to get this. I really want this. And three days went by and, and I didn't ask about it. Cause I was like, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask. I don't want to. And, and we're at home. And finally I was like, Hey, whatever happened with that thing? And she was eating and she looks up and she goes, Oh yeah, you got it. We just forgot to call you. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Didn't make me feel great, but you know. My God. So what do you, I mean, was it like, what kind of led to, you know, who did somebody finally, did you both tap out at the same time? Did one of you have, have to be the bad guy? How does it kind of? Sure. So we were really not getting along when we got married. As soon as we got married, I think I was at it in 1997. I came and slept on some buddies couches out in California. And I was like, I think we should make a shot. Like, let's try it. Why not? Let's let's come out here and see what we can do. And she was like, absolutely not. And I was like, oh, OK, I guess I guess we won't do that. And so then after we got married, she was finally like, okay, you know what, maybe we should try. And that was 2003. So that was like six years later. And so I moved out here. This is actually a great story. I moved out here. She was living, we had a condo in Lincoln Square in Chicago. And so um, I moved out, I rented a place and I was like, I want somewhere that feels like Chicago, that feels like you could walk around and feels like just really cool. So I found a place in Studio City because I convinced myself like that's the cool area of town. <laughs> it was not the cool area of town. I got something right on uh, Ventura and uh, uh, it was it was ridiculous. So we uh, and Laurel Canyon. It was right by that post office over there, which I found out later is where all these porn stars live. They like they all because they all needed to be close to Van Nuys. Back in the day, that's where all the porn was done. Yeah. That's right. So I saw I would see this one guy who would like leave with this cool leather vest on and nothing else and get on this like triumph motorcycle and drive off. And and in the morning, I'd go out and get my coffee and he'd be coming back and he'd be all oiled up. And I was like, I wonder what this guy was doing all night. And I was like, no idea. Uh, so not oil either, apparently. I didn't know. And so the movers 
stole all our stuff. And she was still in Chicago and we paid for all the movers to put everything. This was 2003. So the movers put everything in the, the truck. They say, okay, well, we'll deliver it to, to LA in like six weeks. I rented a place. I had a bed and that was it. And my laptop computer. And the, the movers called and they were like, oh, it's not going to be another $1,000. It's going to be another $4,000. And I was like, I don't have $4,000. And they're like, well, we have your stuff. So now she's still in Chicago because we were going to sell that condo. And she's living with a friend in Chicago with a girlfriend. And I'm living out here in LA trying to make a life. And it was insane. So I actually found out where the public storage was that the movers had put my stuff. And in the dead of night, me and a friend, we took the, the license plate off of her car and we had to break into that facility and put another lock on and then leave. And then I called another moving company and I said, okay, here's the lock, clear out that unit and bring me all that stuff. So I had to steal back all my stuff. And okay. after that, finally it was like months after like four months she said okay i'm gonna come out and join you in la at that moment i got a job back in chicago for six months so she moved to la i moved to chicago and then that happened i think once more so in the first 18 months of our marriage we were actually were living together for three months and then once we hit those three months we were like oh this really isn't good. This isn't working. And I think by then we both were exhausted and we both, we had moved, we moved out to Glendale and then we're in this place in Glendale together on top of each other. And we were like, neither of us were happy. She didn't want to go out and like meet people, which I was like, I, I kind of have to do that in order to like, just be in the industry and, and just talk to people and, and connect. And she was like, no, I don't want to do that. I talk to people all day. She was an agent here in LA at that time for a small company. And so we were just really growing apart. We had different friends and we both came to each other and was like, I don't think this is working. And she's like, yeah, I don't think this is working either. Now that's the good aspect of it. Later, I sort of found out that like she started to have a crush on another guy. And I don't know if anything ever happened, but like I found some weird, um, Facebook messages at the time that like sort of made me uncomfortable. And I was like, this is weird. So we really sort of split. And, and, and at the time we were like, we're going to be the couple that can still be friends. So we were sharing a dog. I was like, I'm still, I'm going to be a good dude. I mean, we, to the point where we went to a mediator, I paid a mediator. The mediator gave us one draft and we had some changes, but I was like, I'm a writer. I'll just change this in the, in the doc. And the guy was like. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, 
all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You shouldn't do that. And I was like, dude, I can't pay you another $750 to like change four lines. So we agreed on everything. Everything seemed very amicable. We we went to City Hall and literally I, together and we're like, we want to get divorced. And they were like, well, you have to sue him. And she was like, OK, I sue you. And I was like, great. We sued each. And they delivered me the papers there. I countersued and they delivered her the papers there. Like we were like, we're, we've done it. We've done everything. The separation through divorce. We're like, we're killing it. We're killing divorce. And I, and then about six months went by. And then I was like, I could still we, we could be a good guy. I could be a good dude. And, and we were sharing a dog. And and so she would say, hey, I want to see the dog. And I was like, OK, come over and see the dog. And I'd give her the dog and she'd walk the dog and like bring him back. And then a little bit of time went by and I started dating. And that's when it started to get really uncomfortable. Like it was sort of like, no, I don't want you, but I don't want you to I don't want that attention to not be with anyone else because you are still my family in quotes, right? Like I still want you emotionally to be there for me. And then when I started dating my current wife, that's when things, that's when the fit hit the shan in a big fucking way. So that's when it started to be, yeah, Tom. How did your current wife, was she aware that you're sharing a dog with somebody and doing all this, whatever, buddy? And I, I'm suspect when people say, I'm friends with my ex, because I've had a lot of guys go, I'm best friends with my ex. They're already remarried somebody. I go, that's there's some bullshit going on there. You know, that's if, right. If people ask me if I, are you and Roseanne friends? I go, if we could be friends, we'd be married. Are you kidding me? That's right. That's right. Your, your, your wife now, you've got this thing. Was she able to talk to you about how that made her feel? Or did she just, was she just super chill about, no, I, she was a little suspect of it because one of the first things we did to prove that everything was okay was my ex was graduating from graduate school and invited us to her graduation party. And I said, we should go. It'll be fine. And, and my current wife was like, tell me again why you're going to go. And being funny, I was like, well, because with my alimony, I paid for her graduate school. I kind of feel like I should go. <laughs> Thinking, oh, look how charming I am. I could prove that everything's fine. So we go, we meet up with some old friends who we went with, which was like, you're going to be with the, this couple that we know. Everything will be okay. We drink, we get a little buzz on. And at one point, the ex sort of buttonholes my, my current wife and is like, his family's the worst. It's a fucking train wreck. Stay away from his fucking sister. His family's awful. <laughs> like, they're going to hate you. I'm just trying to protect you, sister. Like, pours venom into her ear. To the point where she's like, what's going on with your family? How come I haven't met them? What's wrong? And that's when I called my sister and I was like, you need to have dinner with my girlfriend and me right now to show like we're okay and we do and everything was great and she was like that's so weird because she seemed to really want to help me out and i was like i called her and i was like hey that's not cool right we're friends like you know she's like i'm just trying to fucking warn them about your piece of shit family on it and i was like uh-oh hold on and so then 
she was like, well, you guys are, I lived on the east side. My my wife-to-be lived on the west side. She lived in Venice. So like in order to see each other, we would have to pack up the dogs and like go to each other's houses for the weekend. And she's like, the ex was like, oh, I don't like you taking the dog all the way to Venice every weekend. And I was like, listen, you don't get a vote. So she calls one weekend and says, I want to hike the dog. I haven't seen the dog in a week. I want to hike the dog. And I was like, I felt bad. I'm a good guy. Me and my wife, me and the girlfriend, we'll drive the dog over. We'll give it to Griffith Park. We'll let you hike the dog. And then we'll take the dog home. And she goes, don't, don't bring her. And I said, well, you don't get to ask for a favor and then control how I'm going to do the favor. So I'm going to bring her. We'll go to breakfast and then we'll come back and we'll grab the dog. So we go with the dog. I know the girl she's meeting on the hike. The girl that she's meeting is there. She's 45 minutes late, right? Just as a, as a fuck you. So we're standing around. She sees my girlfriend and comes screaming at her, starts just screaming, looks like fists up, about to attack her. Like, I told you not to bring her, and da-da-da. And my girlfriend at the time, who was not about to take this shit, Italian, hot-blooded Italian, was like, look, bitch, I've never mentioned you in my entire life, but that stops now, because I'm going to tell everybody this story. And this is where we fucked up. The ex takes the dog, and goes and goes up on the hike. And we're shaking. We're angry. We're so mad. And then we look at each other and we go, we got to come back and get the dog. Why did we let her take him? We should have just gotten in the car and fucking drove off. What are we doing? We're so stupid. So then we go. We have coffee. 45 minutes later, we come back. I'm across the street. Two things. Your wife now is a fucking saint, and you She's a saint. She went that that's such bullshit what you put her through. I'm gonna tell you, don't ever do that again. Number two, you're so lucky you didn't have a kid with that crazy bitch. Yes. A person that'll do that with a dog, uh, I speak from experience. Very similar stories except with kids. Uh you certainly I hope you're a nice guy, but god damn it. Don't do that again. No, you know what, Tom? That was it. That was the point where I went, I don't need to be a nice guy in this situation. Mm -hmm. This could be in a situation where someone can go, oh, that asshole I used to be married to. And I went, you know what? That's not going to diminish me at all. That's okay. And that was a huge turning point. Good, good. I thought you were going to say that you came back and she was gone and had stolen the dog. So oh, but either, it was all terrible. No, I, I talked to her and I was like, that's it. I'm done. We're, and she's like, no, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. I went, no, I'm done. Because I talked to my current wife and she was like, I don't, I can't be in a relationship like that. That's too crazy. If this person's in your life, that's dangerous for me. And I went, no, it's done. That was it. I don't have to be the good guy. You're more important to me than anything. I'm finished with that. And, and I really was. And that is being a good guy, standing up for what you have and the person mm -hmm. there that actually cares about you. And standing up for yourself, and I'd be like, if she took the dog, I'll get a new dog. Fuck it. <laughs> I did like that dog. I did love that dog, Tom. Yeah, she wants a dog once in a while, but yeah, I mean that is a 
That's a crazy story. Monica, are you ready for the coda? Are you ready for the coda? That was 13, no, more. That was probably 15 years ago. And the only other time I'd ever heard from her was when that dog passed. And I got a text that was like, because I never said anything. And she yeah. heard from a, a mutual friend that the dog had passed. And she's like, you didn't even fucking tell me the dog died. And I was like, delete, done. Okay. I love it. Cut to my 50th birthday party in Santa Barbara wine country. We had bought a house up in one of these little towns. Me and my best friend are loading up 10 bags of ice and across the street, I see this couple. Somebody goes, Heath Corson? And this couple that I used to know that I lost in the divorce, right? We all had lost people in our divorce. And I was like, hey, I know that couple. And I look over and sure enough, they were coming out of a restaurant in that little town that they were there for the weekend with my ex. And she comes over and she's all smiles and she's like, oh my God, I'm doing great. I'm really centered. I'm really happy. I teach yoga to like underprivileged children and she's a social worker and like, I'm, I'm great. And I looked at her and I was just like, are you happy? And she said, yes, I'm happy. And she said, are you? And I said, I am very happy. And I said, well, it's really nice seeing you. And that was it. And that was the coda of, and, and my friend's like, I kind of thought you were going to invite her. And I was like, are you a fucking idiot? What's the matter with you? you know, your history, I can see your friend. Right. You, see, you get shaky. You're like, oh, this is a happy Eddie. Let's make it super happy. Let's make it super happy. You know that family she hated that are all there at your house? Let's bring her over. I was like, yeah, are you a fucking idiot? As long as it's, because, you know, you got to be, when you're in a situation like that, you got to be a dick. You got to go, that's it. Cut off. That's it. It's that. Not that this lingering thing and this uh, fantasy that, well, it's going to work. Yeah, we're gonna Oh, we'll it. have coffee. No, I have no interest oh. in that. There's nothing I need. That's a namaste. Right well, there. is that both of you guys? Do you have that too? Are you like clean break? I mean, well, you both have kids. So we there's have kids with our, yeah. No. Yeah. So that's a, an additional complication. There was a, there was a, at least my second wife, I always thought, because uh, she had been uh, unfaithful. And I found out about it after we broke up for my, because I was saying to my trainer who trained to everybody, this woman, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about calling up so-and-so uh, again and seeing if we can. And she just started weeping, my trainer, like weeping. She was like, well, what's wrong? She was I never wanted to tell you, but she was at a, a person I worked for, worked with, or worked for me. They were hooking up. I go, whoa, whoa, uh, you do, right? She, yeah, I go, who else do? She goes, everybody. I go, you don't meet everybody on my TV show. She goes, yeah, everybody do. And I was like, and I, I, I was hurt, but then this is how twisted I was. I was like, okay, she, I, she's gonna have to cheat with me on that guy. That's all that. That's a, so I, I, I called. She called me, and she was crying because the trainer called her. She was so sorry. She was so sorry. And then at the end, I go, well, here's what we need to do. You need to come over, and then we'll we'll cheat on that guy, and then it, that will satisfy me, which is crazy, crazy. But uh, yeah, there's no reason to be. And by the way, she's doing so well. She is. She was too young for me. She's out there. She's got a family, and and I talked to her fairly recently. And she's a really good person with a family, and not with that guy, not with a houseboy, but uh, but a family. And I'm very happy for her, and she's a solid uh, person. So you know, wow. 
but yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It's it's one of those things where you go, yeah, it's it's okay to, for that to be done. There's nothing more I'm gonna get having that person in my life, uh, and and I'm happy with that decision. But you see that behavior after you've had this sort of novice, this oh, we're doing the divorce. Oh, hey, you filing as Viva, and you're like, okay. But then when you see that behavior about the way she treated your current wife, or you know, using the dog, uh, you got to go. You know, and when people say later, I found out my wife cheated on me. I go, that's good, good news. That that way, you don't go back because you right. will. I will. I will. I I'm a guy that would that would go back. My first marriage, my wife cheated on me with a, a bodyguard I'd hired, and a great big dude. And I'd sent him to Mossad bodyguard school. Like, and so when the National Guard said, you know, she's uh, in in Europe with uh, a man who became her next husband. Uh, I was like, uh, and they're holding hands or whatever. I was like, I got to see that. I got to see that because that will confirm. Then I won't go back. Like, you know, fly over to uh, Sardinia where they we were supposed. and I were supposed to be for the summer. She's met with this guy, and I get a a, a bodyguard, a off-duty rogue cop, you know, guy with a gun because Sardinia is crazy. So we land in Sardinia. My brother's there with me, and we think we'll take our time. We'll go to our hotel and relax, and then. At the right time, we'll drive up on that cliff where she is, and I'll see what I got to see, you know. And uh, and our car got surrounded by the, the three cars, guys with Uzis, and they're like, she wants to see you now. Like, she knew I was. The godmother. So we went out. I say to her, are you sleeping with Ben? And I, I didn't say it like that. And she looked down and said, no, I knew they were. And I, I swear to God, I was so relieved because she had somebody. And uh, I still had to make a move on on that guy. And then I'll tell you this, I've said this before. So at, uh, my bodyguard, after we got out of there, he's like, you know, in our culture, women don't treat men like that. I go, hey, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. He goes, uh, my brother's like, what, what do you mean? He goes, we could do something. I go, my brother's like, what do you mean? Well, for $50,000, when the landed Rome to come back to America, we'll plant drugs on him and he'll be in prison for the rest of his life. And I go, oh, no, no, no. Cause then I know I'll go back with her. And my brother's like, what we do for 10000 So when they landed in Rome to come back to America, yeah, yeah, because they filmed it for me, eight cops just tackle him. They, you know, they do the full body cavity. So they do all that. So they didn't touch her. That was the deal. They missed their flight. And I thought, you know, that's probably illegal what I did, but that was satisfying. That's totally worth it. That's pretty good. Did yeah. she ever know? Did she ever know that, that you did that? Well, the, the, uh, the, the National Choir guy who called me originally was also flew over on the plane behind my brother and I and had a, had people with telephone lenses. So it was, you know, and I've talked about a lot. Like, I don't care if she knows or he knows. Fuck him. Because the bottom line, he was fucking my old lady. And, on, thought, and on a job I'd given him. He worked at a donut shop when he met me. But they didn't get married, have a baby. They, you know, all good news. I thought you were going to say that guy that went to her and was like, here's what we could do for 15. <laughs> <laughs> go back at you. That's a night. That's not a bad job if you can work it out. I would have, I, then I would have been able to go all in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But the time in between from the from the divorce to when I met my my current wife, it was it it, it is. And and Monica and I had talked briefly about this when we were texting about about the idea of this show. There is that just sense of failure even when you don't want to be in it anymore you're just like i wasn't good enough to keep this thing that was clearly broken together and 
that was a big thing for me. That was really hard. And, and you realize later, like, oh, when do I mention my divorce when I start dating people? Like when I feel like I'm carrying all this baggage and then you realize nobody else gives a shit. This is you. Nobody cares. Um, and that was a big paradigm shift for me. You know, when you start dating and you mention it and you're like, oh, they're going to look at me weird. They're weird. They go, this guy, this, there's something wrong with him clearly because he's been with the, this person and couldn't keep it together. And then you realize, oh no, that's not true. That that's, you've created that in your head and nobody else cares. Um, was that something that you guys went through as well? Oh, for sure. I mean, especially as a woman, I felt like tainted goods. Right. Oh yeah, Tom, do you have to hop off to do your? I think I do, I think I do, but. I do that and I'll wrap up with Heath. Please do, Heath, you're the best. You're happy yeah. now for you and your wife. And uh, uh, it's, it's good to be happy. It's good to be happy. Yeah, yes, right. thanks Tom, nice to meet you. That was really nice. Oh my gosh, Heath, okay, yeah. So back to the, so the, the first, I remember the first, well, the first date I did go on, the guy already knew because a friend, uh -huh. friend like set us up. So it was, you know, he, so I didn't have to do it, but then whoever after that, I sort of, he was a little bit younger. I felt a little insecure and I was like, oh my God, I'm already older. Now we have to say I'm divorced and that I'm divorced with a kid. Like it was right. just, it was just like, I was I was sweating. I thought for sure, like the movie that was playing in my head was that he would go, well, it was really nice to meet you. Bye. That's right. totally what I, and then of course I did it. I like verbal diarrhea it in like my best Cliff's Notes version. And then he was like, oh my God. Um, wow. That's so interesting. I'm going to go to the restroom. I'll be right back. And like, it's this is not weird at all like I'm so glad you told me like he couldn't have been cooler about it and like right. as the restroom I was just like what that was oh that's it's okay like it was just yeah shocking right isn't that shot and it had to be so much different to be doing that with a kid as well like that's a really yeah so it yeah. must have been so nice to be able to have somebody just be like, no, I see you. That's fine. That doesn't make you anything. Totally. Yeah. I think all guys care about is like, they just want to get laid. <laughs> you know, they're just like, well, I'm still going to hook up with you. It's fine. Right. Sure. <laughs> they're like, is the kid home right now? Right. Like, are, they where, where now? The like, are they there now? Are they there now? Yeah. What's the, yeah, exactly. I'm sure that's all they really care about. Right. So funny. Well, another thing I wanted to know too was, and during that time, did you, had you met a kind of good group of guy friends in LA that, so you didn't feel so kind of alone or like, cause I know for a lot of men that starting over period is extremely lonely. If you don't have like a regular job where you're working or, you know. Right. right. Um, yeah, I mean, I totally did. Uh, I was very lucky that like some of my oldest friends that I knew from like theater camp and then went to college with were all out here as well. And like awesome. my ex didn't like them very much. So I didn't get to see them all that often. And then like getting to reconnect with them was like fantastic. And now they're my best friends in the world and probably some of my oldest friends. So yeah. it's, it's great. And how did your family, were they... 
so relieved slash they were so relieved they were <laughs> incredibly relieved my mom got very offended that there was going to be some money that i had to uh, pay her for alimony um and plus it was really financially hard because the money i was making in chicago doing whatever jobs i was doing at the time temping or or some full-time jobs and then some acting jobs i was doing pretty well but then when you move to la the amount of money I was making was like almost nothing. So I was paying her on the old amount on the alimony. And so it was a struggle. So my mom was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you have to pay her that money. And I said, is there any amount of money that you could think of mom that wouldn't make you happy that I that she's out of our lives? And she's like, absolutely not. And I was like, there you go. What are you upset about? Totally. I mean, and it's so crazy because we talk about this sometimes on the pod too, like, you know, when the average divorce cost in California alone, at least today is like 17,500 and that's getting off cheap for a lot of people. 17 17, or 70? 17. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of other people, I mean, my, just my share alone was Closer to 70. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot. It's so a lot. crazy. Insane. Wow. I also love that you used a mediator because I don't think I started hearing that term go around until, you know, like well after you had gone through your divorce. I remember I was lucky that we didn't have anything. Like we had just moved, like the yeah. mover stole my stuff. Like I had nothing. I was like, I have 35 boxes of comic books. Do you want any of those? And she was like, yeah. fuck no. Like, so I didn't really have much. So it was okay. Like there was, you could have this car and I'll keep this car. Like it was pretty minimal. Yeah. But even then the amount of money was like, it was shocking uh -huh. to me because now I've got to cover that nut and be in LA and cover my own nut. And so Ugh. that was rough. That was a rough you know, whatever it was, like, I think it was something like over 24 months that I had to pay. So it was oh, crazy. Oh, God. Well, yeah. thank God it wasn't forever. I know, right? I mean, but What yeah. is that, 10 years? Like, if you hit 10 years, I think you have to pay. Well, that, what, that used to be the norm. But actually, okay. even in California, most courts are not honoring that anymore. They take into consideration like your age and, and all of that. Or if, okay. if you filed right at the 10-year mark, they're like, come on, you know, right. So right. They're, they're making it not as easy, but right. it's crazy. I've been reading a lot of articles lately about women financially, even though a lot of people love to shout like, oh, they're such gold diggers or they're taking all this money. Actually, divorce usually works out the, not well for women in the long run and women sure. don't even end up making sure. um, as much money anymore. So it's kind of a interesting topic, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, I love that you had, I never knew that you had that crazy situation go down at the end, but that you learned from it and that ultimately you decided to choose the healthier yeah. not the drama and you yeah. chose a great partner who embodied so much of the shadow of your yeah. relationship. Yeah, I had, that was a lot of soul searching. You know, you do that after something traumatic like that. You're like, well, what, what, how did I contribute to this? What was I putting up with? What, what am I no longer going to allow myself to do moving forward? And so that was a really healthy 
sense of being able to look within and come out the other side. And, and that was good. That was one positive that came out of it. I love it. Do you have any advice or thoughts on marriage for people who are going through it? I mean, obviously you were open enough to do it again. Yeah. What, what, Which what, I didn't, I didn't think I would do. I think like walking out of it, I was like, oh no, I'm not going to get married again until I met uh, the my wife who I'm currently with, where I was like, I can't imagine not being with her forever. I can't imagine mm -hmm. not being together. I think always you want someone, whoever it is, that you guys are better together than you are apart, that you are more, bigger than the, the sum of your parts, right? You're larger mm -hmm. than the sum of your parts. So it's a friend of mine and I would always say, you want someone who wanted one plus one equals three, that the two of you together are make more than you would separate. And that's truly how I feel in the relationship that I'm currently in is that we're, we are, we are better as a unit together than we would be separate. Yeah. And I love your work dynamic too, where it's like, if she's busy, you're the one who's like, okay, I'm picking up the slack. I'm getting the groceries. I'm doing the things. Totally. Good back and forth teamwork. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, we try to do that in everything. And listen, it doesn't always work. And sometimes you have to say something and, but, but we're open enough in our communication that I feel like, oh, this is good. We also met each other when we were older and so we had learned these lessons and we had all both carried our scars of our previous relationships and we knew like this is who i am and this is who you are and and this is how we'll be together and it'll work if we do these things and i think that you can't overlook that you know there is something to like you did going into something when you're young and not knowing better not knowing the rules not knowing what what's good and healthy and what's not for you. Yeah. Because exactly. people can do anything as long as they both agree to it. As long as it's working for both of them, like, hey, do whatever you need to. But yeah. it's only when it stops working for one that you have to go, oh, this is, I need, I need something else. Mm -hmm. For sure. One foot out. <laughs> Don't stop running, Monica. No, no. I mean, look, as much as I, you know, I wanted what I wanted. I mean, they're definitely, I, I always felt like it was not a solid foundation, you yeah. know? So yeah, it just definitely keeps you on your toes. And yeah, I think I share that with you that it, 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 the fact that you sort of go this, I can get out of this right off the bat is, uh, is, is a, is a big red flag. I used to see like, I'd be driving in LA and I'd see a for rent sign and go, Oh fuck, when's that going to be me looking for an apartment again? Any minute I'm just, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I could keep driving. Yeah. Is uh, this a literal sign? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I know it's, it's, it's rough out there, but I'm so happy that you are happy yes. genuinely. And I love seeing when things work out for my friends in LA and you're still here. We're still here. Still We're here. still here. It's amazing. Battered and bruised, but not down. That's right. Not down, I but not like, out. You know, I feel like it just gives you, it just makes you more interesting. That's right. No, That's right. we got to experience some life. Otherwise, what are we? Just sheltered. And I will say, this is the first time that I've thought about it and talked about it for a really long time. Like, it's not something that I feel like is at the surface or like even is something that I, I clock or or I feel those 
twangs anymore. Like, no, it's it's just something that, I, that, that had happened. Yeah, I love it. Well, I'm so glad that you were open to share. Any, any, yeah. last, any last thoughts about divorce or marriage or advice to your younger self? Oh my gosh. I mean, geez, I don't even know. And I don't know how you feel about this. Like, would you trade in the experience if you could save yourself from it? Or yeah, I don't know that I would either because I think part of it made me who I am uh, for better, or for worse. So I, I, I wish there would be some moment where you would be like, run, don't, don't do it. But I don't know. I, I think it, it was so, it was such a cornerstone into who I am. And I think it made me a better partner now. And yes. I think that that's good. And and so I, I wouldn't, even though it was painful and it was hard, I don't think I would, I would trade it in. Yay. Yay. Oh, thanks, Heath. You're the best. You're the best. This is great. Thank and thank you. you for thinking of me. Thanks, Heath. And tell Tom, thank you. That was so lovely I to meet will. him. Thanks, Heath. All right, my friend. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.